Hi, you're listening to Silenced, discussing censorship and fandom. I'm your host, Hilary Hensley, and this episode is going to be about aunties. So sit back, relax, and let's talk about issues in fandom. So, I'm Hillary, and this is the first episode of this podcast. Now, um, I wanted to start this podcast by talking about why I wanted to start this podcast. I'm a fan. I have been in fandom since about 2011. I first started in fandom through Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I was super intrigued by the TV show. Uh, I really loved it. So I got on message boards, and from message boards, I found fan fiction, which entirely changed my life. <laughs> from there, I went on to get into uh, MCU fandom. I'm a big Frost Iron fan. Also, from there, uh, Supernatural, and I really like Wincest as a ship there. So as a lover of Wincest, that it's a ship for uh, Sam Winchester and Dean Winchester together, romantically, sexually. I've run into a lot of aunties. And the reason that I wanted to do the first episode of this podcast on aunties is because I started this podcast because of aunties. Truthfully, I have never been personally affected by them. I have never had one go after me. I have never had one leave a mean comment on a fanfic that I've written. I have never really uh, gotten that dark side of fandom, but I have definitely seen it. On Tumblr, if you sneak into the Wincess tag, well, you don't have to sneak into it. Just go into the Wincess tag and you'll find plenty of Andes. A lot of people telling Wincess shippers to kill themselves, that they, she, they should be ashamed for liking Wincest, that it's a disgusting ship and immoral. And the reason that I started this podcast is because that kind of rhetoric is not cool. There are very many young people reading Wincest, writing Wincest, interested in Wincest. Hell, also older people uh, or middle-aged people or whatever. But there are a lot of people who are interested in Wincest who do get harassed for it, not just in the general tags of Wincest, but also on their blogs uh, with aunties actually writing in and telling them that they should kill themselves and that they should be ashamed and that they probably go out and have sex with their brothers and sisters because obviously they support incest because they read about it in fiction. Well, that's a bunch of bull, all right? Just because you read about something in fiction does not mean you support it in real life. And it is none of your business what other people ship and like. None of your business. You just, aunties just need to stay in their own lane. And I just wanted to let people know, maybe just one person, but I wanted to let people know that it's okay to ship these things. 
it's okay to ship whatever you want to ship. It doesn't have to have a canon justification. It can be a total crack ship. You can ship whatever you want to ship for any reasons you want to ship it. You don't even have to have reasons for it. Just ship. Go out and ship. And I think it's really important that you know that. I think it's really important that this message, that this podcast reaches someone who maybe was questioning that they like a certain ship. Maybe it's Wincest. Maybe it's something else. And they've been told they were disgusting and they've been told they were a freak and that they probably go out and commit these acts against other people because they like to read about it. And that is not the case. It is not true. You're a decent human being, probably. What you read about or like with fan art and fan fiction reflects nothing of the person you are. It's just what you like, and that's that. It's okay to enjoy things, even taboo things. It's not real. It's fiction. And I think it's important we keep that in mind. So that's why I started this podcast, in order for people to see that it's not wrong, that a lot of people ship these taboo ships and maybe they don't talk about it often. Maybe they are just lurkers in fandom, but you're not alone. A lot of people ship these ships. A lot of people have different kinds of kinks, which is also super important, I think. People get on there and tell you that you're disgusting for having a certain kink. Maybe it's a rape fantasy. Maybe it's, hell, an incest fantasy. Maybe it's some other kind of fantasy that you have. It's not wrong. All right? It's not wrong to read about it in fic. And it's not wrong to practice these fantasies safely in real life as long as everybody is of consenting age. Role play the hell out of anything you want to. It is up to you. Your sex life is your business. As long as everybody is of age and consenting, that's on you. That's your life. And nobody has the right to tell you that you can't do what you want. As long as you're not hurting anybody else, it's fine. And I know that's a pretty radical position to take nowadays. I know that people will tell you that you have to look at your preferences and that you have to make yourself better. And it's true that you do have to examine yourself, but it is not true that your sexual kinks, that your sexual fantasies, that what you prefer to ship says anything really personal about you. Just says you think these two characters have a lot of chemistry together or that this is how you like to get off. And that's fine. (laughs) It's fine. I think women as, um, not that this podcast is only aimed at women. It's aimed for everyone in the fandom community, even outside the fandom community. This podcast is for you. But the thing is, is that women's pleasure has been really a taboo subject for, you know, forever. And in fact, 
you can go on YouTube and find TED Talks. A really good one is um, a really good one to watch for TED Talks about women's pleasure is uh, Masturbation Myths by Tisha Morgan. I would suggest going to watch that. She talks about how a lot of women are ashamed of their bodies, ashamed of seeking sexual pleasure, that they don't masturbate. Uh, they rely exclusively on a partner for pleasure. Uh, and they have trouble orgasming. And I think it's very interesting that fandom is comprised, I would say, of mostly women. If I'm wrong, tell me I'm wrong. But I would say more than half of fandom are women, identify as women. And women experiencing sexual pleasure is a very taboo subject. And I think that, I think that, uh, fan fiction is an interesting note about that because it is women experiencing sexual pleasure and then people are telling them that it's wrong. Like I said, I know that this podcast is not only reaching women. I know that there are men in fandom. I know that there are non-binary people in fandom. But I think women as people, women who are capable of finding their own sexual pleasure outside of whatever their sexual partners can do for them, especially in heterosexual relationships, is a really big taboo thing. And some of that's reflected in the anti-community. And we don't need to brush that off and say that some of this ship, shipping, uh, not all of it, but some of the ship shame has to do with shame from women experiencing sexual pleasure. Not all of it, but some of it. So let's keep that in mind. All right. So you know why I started this podcast. Obviously, you probably know my views on aunties by now. But what actually is an auntie? I think it's very important that we work out a working definition of aunties. An auntie is not someone who doesn't like something in general. I'm mostly going to be using my fandoms as a reference point because that's what I'm familiar with. You can substitute this with any fandom that you want to, but for an example, an auntie is not someone who doesn't like a particular character on a show. Let's say you're really into Teen Wolf. You don't like Style Stalinsky. And you post about him uh, under anti-Style Stalinsky. And talk about why you don't like him as a character. You present a lot of canon evidence about why you, in particular, don't like him as a character. That's fine. You're not an anti. This podcast can still be for you. All right, let's say it's to do with a sexual kink. Let's say you're very, very against rape fantasy for you. So you choose not to read it on Archive of Her Own. It's not something you enjoy. You don't go seek it out 
and you block it from tags. That does not make you an auntie. This podcast might still be for you. Let's say you have a big no TP. You hate these two people together in a ship. Let's say it's from Buffy. Let's say you really hate the idea of Spuffy, uh, Spike and Buffy Summers together. And you post about why you hate them together. And just in general, why you don't like the ship. You tell people not to gift you a fix that has this ship in it. You blacklist this ship in your tags because you're really against it. You don't want to see it. This podcast can still be for you. You are not an auntie. What makes someone an auntie is telling somebody else that they cannot ship Spuffy. Is telling somebody else that they cannot like Styles Stolinski. Is telling somebody else that they cannot enjoy rape fantasy and fic. That makes you an auntie. Because if you don't like it, then nobody should. And you can justify it based on moral reasons or what have you. But basically you're telling people that they can't enjoy what they enjoy because you don't. A good example of this, like in the real world, is let's say someone doesn't like potatoes, but you really like potatoes. Sure, they can talk about why they don't like potatoes. They can talk about, you know, that they think the texture is off or that the flavor is lacking, that they think it's a very bland food, and they don't like potatoes. And that's fine. That doesn't make them an anti. Maybe they are anti-potatoes personally, but they're not, you know, anti-potatoes in general. If you like potatoes, you do you. But an anti person would tell you that because they don't like potatoes, they don't, they think they're disgusting. That means that you shouldn't like potatoes either. They don't even think potatoes should be grown. No more potatoes. Let's not plant any more potatoes. Potatoes are gross. They're disgusting. Nobody should eat them ever again. That is an anti. So think about it, I guess, when you go into social media, when you look at these posts, is this an ante? Are they telling you to never eat potatoes again? That potatoes shouldn't even be grown? That potatoes are disgusting and filthy and nobody should ever enjoy them? If they are, they're an ante. So... I think I've beaten this metaphor to death, (laughs) but just keep in mind that just because you don't like something does not necessarily make you an auntie. All right. That is our working definition for auntie for this podcast and for any future episodes of this podcast. This is what I mean when I talk about aunties. I don't mean people who generally dislike something. I mean people who attack other people for liking something or even possibly for not liking something. 
which we'll go over. So where do antis come from? Where do they come from? Where do they go? Where do they come from? All right. <laughs> where do they come from? One place they come from, and I think a really big place they come from, are shipping wars. So when you put one ship against the other, it's a ship war. When you say one ship is more correct, more canon, more legitimate than the other ship, or possibly more morally correct. Uh, like I said, I'm going to use examples of my own fandom. So let's talk about the supernatural fandom. And we'll talk about Wincest versus Destiel, which is a pretty big ship war. Now, I myself do not ship Destiel. Uh, I'm a little bit of a multi-shipper when it comes to Supernatural, but I don't ship Destiel. I do ship a little bit of Sassy, Sastiel, Sam, and Castiel. But I don't ship Destiel. But I'm aware of the ship wars. So, Wincest was a pretty good-sized ship for the first three seasons of Supernatural. I mean, basically, that's all there was, Sam and Dean. They were the premise of the show. In the fourth season, a character named Castiel is introduced, and people jump on the bandwagon of having somebody else to ship. Sastiel becomes a ship. Destiel becomes a ship. Dean Winchester and Castiel. So people really hop on the Destiel bandwagon and they tell people this is the morally correct ship to ship. This is the better ship because it's not that filthy incest ship of Wincest. This is the ship of righteous men. And people started shipping it. I mean, you are free to ship Destiel for whatever reasons you want to ship Destiel. But Wincest shippers really did come under attack. And they are still under attack from Destiel shippers. I'd say a lot of the antis in the Wincest fandom are Destiel shippers. Not all of them. I'm not saying all Destiel shippers are like this. They're certainly not. A lot of Destiel shippers just like the ship and they keep in their own lane. And that's cool. This, this is not referring to you guys. This is referring to Destiel shippers who attack Wincest shippers for shipping Wincest. So, oh, it's just a disgusting incest ship. You should be shipping the ship of the righteous man. You should be shipping Castiel and Dean. Everybody should be shipping them. Nobody that watches the show should not be shipping them. Their chemistry is undeniable. You can tell they're totally going to go canon. This is the ship to ship. And honestly, I didn't start watching Supernatural until about 2014. And the first really interaction I had with the Supernatural fandom was Pinterest. And I saw a lot of Destiel stuff. So I was pretty sure that I was going to end up shipping Destiel. By this time, I had already had a few big ships under my belt. I had Spuffy. I had Frost Iron, which is uh, Iron Man and Loki from the MCU-verse. Uh, also, um, Angel and Spike from Buffy. 
I had a few, you know, decent ships. I was reading for a few different fandoms. And I thought for sure that I was going to end up shipping Destiel. Because I had seen so much about it before I started watching the show. So I started watching the show. And at the first season, I was like, huh, this is super interesting. And I would say like in the middle of that first season, maybe a little bit towards the end, it's like this, did they mean to put so much incest <laughs> into this show? Was this intentional? I have, I had never heard anybody talk about incest before then. I didn't know it was a ship. I didn't know it was a thing. And then I started watching the show and I was just blown away by what I saw in it. And I was a diehard Wincess shipper, I'd have to say, by the second season. So that's how I got into Wincess. Not that you were asking. <laughs> but that is how I got into Wincest. And, uh, of course, Castiel doesn't show up until the fourth season, which I didn't know. After seeing all the Destiel stuff on Pinterest, I didn't know that was the case. And uh, I just thought that everybody shipped it. I thought it was a ship that was understood that everybody shipped it. I was pretty sure that even the actors shipped it because that's what the fan said. Comes out later. Maybe Misha ships it a little bit, but I think Misha probably ships any ship that features Castiel in it. I mean, it's his character. So, but Jensen, not so much. And I think that other people on the show, not as much. I know Mark Shepard got, got a little attacked for not shipping Destiel. And the same with, um, with William Shatner. He was also attacked for saying he shipped Sassy, Sastiel, over Destiel, that he didn't really like Destiel on his Twitter. And he got attacked and his YouTube page got hacked into by uh, Destiel shippers. Like I said, I'm not saying that every Destiel shipper is like this. They are certainly not. They're very, very nice people who ship Destiel. But it also develops an anti-community, especially since one of the main ships of Supernatural was an incest ship, is an incest ship, and the other is not. So, like I said, you have this one ship that's dirty and wrong and immoral, and then you have this ship that is righteous and pure and all that is holy in the world. And I think that's the way people frame it. So you have to ship Destiel or you're trash or you're disgusting. And I think that's where a lot of the anti-community came about with Winzest. And they told people that if they chose to ship this ship when they had other options, then they were disgusting and they were probably screwing their own sibling, which of course is not true. Just because you like something in fandom does not mean you like it in reality. And I just want to emphasize that point. I know I've said it before, but I think it's a very important point to make. So shipping wars is definitely one of the places they came from. That is just one example of a ship war. There are lots of other ship wars and lots of other fandoms. And I'm sure there's big anti-communities that have to deal and surround those ship wars. That have to deal with and surround those ship wars. Where else does antis come from? Do antis come from? They also come from 
character height. So, all right, so let's take the Teen Wolf fandom. There are a community of people that don't like Scott McCall. Uh, they're usually steric shippers, not always. I myself am a steric shipper in full disclosure, which is um, Derek Hale and Style Stolinski together. But there are a group of people that uh, don't like Scott McCall, a group of viewers, a group of fans, don't like him. And there's another group of people that are saying that if you don't like Scott McCall, it's because you must be racist. And this is because Scott McCall is played by Tyler Posey. Tyler Posey is Latino. So keeping that in mind, let's talk about character hate leading to aunties. So this is an interesting issue. Most of these people that are like, if you don't like Scott McCall, then you're racist, are not always anti-Styles, but a lot of them are anti-Styles Stalinsky. And this is because Styles Stalinsky is probably the most beloved character on the show. I don't know if he's like outright the fan favorite, but he is a very much loved character. In fact, he's my favorite character from the show as well. I do prefer him over Scott. I do like Scott, but I prefer Styles. And I think that the Scott faction is interesting. I'm a I'm a steric person that likes Scott. There are steric people that do not like Scott. But there's this group of people that that ship you know, whatever. I don't know what they ship. <laughs> I don't know why I mentioned it. But there's this group of people that are very, very pro-Scott and pretty much anti-everybody else on the show from what I can figure. It might not be the case. Um, I don't really go into that section of fandom that much. For most of the Teen Wolf fandom, I just read the fanfic. Uh, I'm not too up on the discourse, but I do know a little bit about it. So the people that ship the people that ship Steric and don't like Scott are accused of being racist for one, because they don't like Scott, who is played by a Latino actor. Two, because they ship two white men in the show and the main character is not part of that ship. I just think this is really interesting because as a, all right, so I really like Buffy, which I've mentioned, the title character, of course, there is Buffy. And my main ship of that show does have Buffy in it. But Buffy is not my favorite character. I have multiple other ships in that show that Buffy is not involved in. I uh, sometimes really dislike Buffy, especially in season six, but let's not get into that. So I think uh, them saying well, if you don't like Scott, you're racist is not a true equivalency. Let's look at it from the other side. So if you're saying that if you don't like the main character of the show, then you're racist because the main character is played by a Latino actor, then you could also say the opposite is true that you're not racist 
if you do like a main character of the show, uh, of a show, or a character of any show that is played by uh, an actor of color. So, let's say your favorite character is, let's say your favorite character is somebody of color from a show. <laughs> All right, let's, let's say that it's Kendra from Buffy. Let's say your favorite character on the show is Kendra from Buffy. That doesn't really mean you're not racist. All right. It's, it's a false deal. Just because your favorite character is a character of color does not make you this hip, progressive, non-prejudiced person. It does not make you that. And when you say that it does, it means you don't have to examine your own issues. You don't have to look at your own prejudices. You don't have to really go inside of yourself and think about how you can improve yourself because you're already cool. You're already perfect. Your favorite character is somebody that is a minority. So you can't be racist. You don't have any issues. You're fine. It's like saying if your favorite character is a woman from any show or movie or book that you can't possibly hold sexist views. And that's just not true, not even for women. There's internalized misogyny uh, as a factor. It's not true that if your main character holds a certain position, then that means you can't possibly be against that position. Let's talk about buzzwords. As having to do with like, so we mentioned the Scott McCall thing. So let's talk about other buzzwords. Racism is certainly a buzzword in fandom. And what a buzzword is, is a word that's supposed to grab your attention. You're supposed to be outraged at this. Other common buzzwords used in fandom beside racism is sexism, is especially nowadays, you'll find pedophilia, uh, also incest, but Incest is used in fandom and ships, like I said, with Wincest. But as a buzzword, incest is used by, uh, by saying a ship is incestuous when it's not. Or by accusing people of committing incest because they like an incestuous ship. Or because they like an incest kink on, and they like to read about it on Archive of Rome. So pedophilia is probably the most predominant buzzword. And people use it to say that you shouldn't ship underage characters, that you shouldn't ship someone with any age differences. There are also other kind of fringe rules that you shouldn't ship somebody who's smaller than the other person because they're child presenting, that you shouldn't ship uh, people that are younger than 25 with somebody that's older than 25 because their brains aren't fully developed yet. But here's the deal. Pedophilia does not exist in fan fiction. Does not exist. I mean, a character can be a pedophile. But as for actual pedophilia, it doesn't exist. So no children are harmed. 
There's no victims to look after. There's no people to prosecute. It doesn't exist because it's fictional. You can write about whatever you want to in fiction. It's not illegal. It's cool. It doesn't exist. There are no victims in fan fiction. No victims. So pedophilia, every time you see it come up as a buzzword, it's almost always about fan fiction. Just throw it out because it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist in any capacity in fan fiction. It's just a buzzword and it's solely there to function as a buzzword, a word to grab your attention and for you to think, hey, I don't want to be pro-pedophilia. I have to get on this anti-train immediately. Like, no, let's, let's talk about this like adults. Let's talk about this like rational people. Pedophilia does not exist in fan fiction. Except maybe, like I said, a character is a fan, is a pedophile. But that's that character. That doesn't make you a pedophile. And that doesn't make what you like to, um, it doesn't make you a pedophile based on what you like to read or write or whatever. It's fiction. That's it. Now, as for the other buzzwords, they might exist in fan fiction. Racism certainly exists in the fandom community. Sexism certainly exists in the fandom community. Uh, Incest, I mean, certainly incest ships do exist in the fandom community. But again, incest is a lot of pedophilia. It doesn't matter. There are no victims. Toss it out the window. When you see somebody accusing you of committing incest because you like to read incest stuff, or you see somebody like saying you're writing about incest because these people were raised as brothers, or they call each other brother, or they have a very close childhood relationship. You can, like I said, toss that stuff out the window. It doesn't matter. It's fiction. It, it ha- holds no place. Racism and sexism are something that's different. Racism certainly exists in fandom. Sexism certainly exists in fandom. And you should examine yourself for that. You should be self-aware as possible. As m- self-aware as possible. But for liking a certain character over another certain character, like with Styles and Scott, that doesn't make you a racist. Just like for liking Scott over Styles doesn't make you accepting. It doesn't make you not a racist. It just means you prefer that character. And that's all there is to it. There is no, there is no like clear line in the sand here. And really, fan fiction doesn't have a test that you're required to pass to make sure that it's not racist, that it's not sexist, that it goes along with everything that, you know, should be pure and good in this world. You can post whatever you like. So ultimately, it matters because these things should be discussed. But in the same end, it doesn't matter because it's fiction And you're free to write whatever you choose. It shouldn't be censored. And that's what there, that's what it is. I do plan to do uh, more episodes that gets more into buzzwords. We're going to talk about past buzzwords and how they were used then, present buzzwords, uh, 
how buzzwords are used even outside of the fandom community. And I do want to get into this podcast about what happens outside of the fandom community and why that's important to the fandom community and why it's important outside of the fandom community. So let's go ahead and talk about that. Let's talk about Fifty Shades of Grey as it relates to aunties. Fifty Shades of Grey relates to aunties because when it came out, it's very controversial. All right, Fifty Shades of Grey originally started as Twilight fan fiction. As a disclaimer, I have never read this novel. I have never read it. I do know some things about it because I've researched it a bit, but I've never read this novel. I'm aware that people say that it is badly written. We're not going to touch on that. We're going to talk about the issues within the novel that most people like want it censored for, which is the BDSM practices that this novel has in it. I am aware that this novel has bad BDSM practices in it. I don't care. <laughs> I think that it is a novel and that is that. This book should not be taken as an instruction manual to practice BDSM. I know that there's a scene in there where the main dude has uh, ignored a safe word from uh, the protagonist, from the woman. And a lot of people bring up the scene as a way of justifying that it should be censored. Say that, oh, this is a dangerous practice. This is actually rape. People that read this fic will think this is okay. I don't think that's true. For one, your experience is your own responsibility. If you read Fifty Shades of Grey and you think, oh, wow, this BDSM stuff sounds really great. I should look, I should get into that. It's your job to do a quick Google search on how to practice BDSM safely. As an adult, or as somebody who can think rationally by reading this book, you are not going to go out and practice BDSM without at least doing a little bit more research first. Obviously, you need a partner you can trust. Obviously, you need to be up to date on what's going on in the community. This is something you have to put a little research into first. If you take a novel as an instruction manual, then, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. It's not. Fifty Shades of Grey does not function as an instruction manual. It is not a how-to-practice BDSM book. It is a novel. So this guy doesn't pay attention to this woman's use of the safe word. And that is rape. And I would imagine that if you were in a relationship, a BDSM relationship, and you safe worded out, and your partner did not uh, listen to it and kept on going, I think you would know that that wasn't okay. If you're to a point you're safe wording out, then you obviously want your partner to stop. And if that partner does not stop, then you have a really bad BDSM partner and you need to call the police and, re and report that. That is rape. There's no question about it. If you say no and your partner keeps going, that is rape. And I think you're going to know that that's not okay. You're not going to think, I safe worded, but he's not stopping. It must be okay because Fifty Shades of Grey 
told me that it was okay. No, that's not what you're going to think. You're, you're going to panic. You're going to know that it's not okay. And very definitely, that is not your fault. That is your partner's fault. But if you're basing your BDSM practices on this book by saying, oh, we should practice it just like the book does, that it's not being very responsible when it comes to your sex life. You have to be capable of dictating your own experience. Look up things if you're not sure. And obviously you're not sure if you're trying to base it on a novel. So if you don't know how to practice something, let's say you read a novel that has somebody changing the oil in a car. Are you going to base going out to change the oil in your car based on this novel? Or are you going to look more into it and say, well, that doesn't sound too bad based on this novel. Let me look it up more and see if I want to change my own oil in my car and see, you know, from somebody who wants to instruct me on something like that. Maybe look up a YouTube video or Google a quick search or, or a, a how-to article. You're not going to base it just on this novel. And that's the way sex works too. You're not going to say, oh, this looks like fun. This must be what I'm supposed to do for a BDSM thing. Let's just base my whole sexual experience on this novel. And if you do, then I'm sorry to say, but there has to come a time you take responsibility for yourself. You have to sort it out yourself and look up things. You're responsible for your own experience. A novel is not responsible for your experience. Comparatively, look at The Taming of the Shrew. The Taming of the Shrew is a play by William Shakespeare. It is deeply problematic there is an abusive relationship at the center point of this play. So you have these two people, Catherine and Petruchio. Petruchio is abusive to Cath- to um, Catherine to get her to be this perfect wife. She's too headstrong. She wants to be, and be independent. She doesn't want to settle down. She wants to be her own person. Petruchio can't have that. So what does he do? He gaslights her. He gaslights her. He starves her. And he makes sure she doesn't sleep. And at the end, he has this perfect, obedient wife. And the crazy thing is, in this plan, he outlines his whole... In this play, he outlines his whole plan. It's outlined. It's out there. He talks to his friend about how he's going to make her submit. He goes through it step by step. And certainly, I don't think people look at this and say, well, this is how I'm going to get my my, uh, wife to submit to me. I don't think it should be a banned play. 
I think it's my least favorite Shakespeare play. I've read it multiple times, however, and people still go out and watch it. People still put the Taming of the Shrew on. Uh, they still read the play for for uh, classes. You're still assigned reading. I don't think it should be banned or censored, but it is certainly troublesome. They go on to live happily ever after. At least they seem happy at the end. She, the obedient wife, and him, like the, the abusive husband. That's what happens. That's the end of the play. They go on to have their happily ever after. She never, I mean, she completely bends to Petruchio's will. There's also Flowers in the Attic, which deals with incest between siblings and it shows the incest not as this horrible villainous thing, but their isolation as this horrible villainous thing that their mother and their grandmother put them through. The incest is a product of that, but the incest itself isn't evil. It's something that happened naturally because of the isolation. Also, Lolita, which is, of course, about an underage relationship. These are novels. There are plenty of examples of other novels and out there in the real world <laughs> that have to do with problematic relationships. And yeah, maybe there's a calling for these books to be banned. Maybe there is. But should they be? I mean, they should be discussed, surely. But should people stop reading these books because, because they deal with problematic relationships because other people are getting offended by it. I am really, I really struggle with The Taming of the Shrew, but I don't think that nobody should read it. I don't think that it should be a banned book. I will fully support The Taming of the Shrew being read in classrooms and being put on for audiences and being freely available in libraries to anybody who wants to read it. So I just think we need to think about censorship in the larger context as well. Antis are advocating censorship for, for works that have incest, abuse, rape. And I think also on a larger scale, other things as well. There are all sorts of antis advocating censorship for any number of things. And I think we need to apply that, that to the real world. It's like, would, do we advocate censorship for any books that we might find problematic? I mean, eventually what books are left to read? What books would still be standing on the shelves? You can find something, almost anybody can find something problematic in any book you want to read, depending on what you're against. And where does it end? Where does it stop? So, like, Archive of Our Own partially started because of the live journal purges. The live journal purges were in 2007, 
And they purged a lot of content, a lot of journals from LiveJournal that had to deal with incest and pedophilia and rape. Also domestic violence and abuse. Some were message boards for domestic violence victims. They purged them. But it didn't have to do with legality. It had to do with sex. It had to do with this purity thing that we've got going on. Because they left journals that had to deal with election fraud and murder and theft. So obviously it didn't have anything to do with legality and everything to do with being anti-sex. And I think that that is another place that antis come from. We've talked about ship wars. We've talked about character hate. Another place that antis come from is being anti-sex in general. They're a part of this purity culture that says that sex is degrading. Sex is wrong. And they claim it's like for everything, but you'll mostly see it's the minority communities that are being targeted, like LGBTQ, or oppressed people that are being targeted, like women. And again, this will be more talked about in a future podcast about being anti-sex in general and oppressing pornography. And I think that uh, it's important to talk about in relation to antis, because this is some of where antis is coming from. Sam antis claim to be feminist and say that being a feminist means you cannot support pornography because all pornography is exploitive, exploitative of women, is exploiting women. This isn't true. And it's not a feminist argument to tell other women that they can enjoy things because they're not allowed to, that they've been tricked into enjoying pornography by men, and that they're not allowed to enjoy pornography because it's anti-feminist. To tell a woman what she is or is not allowed to do is anti-feminist. Let people enjoy things. Let people get off how they want to get off. It's none of your business. So, three places where antis come from. Ship wars, character hate, purity culture, anti-sex. And umbrellas fall underneath all of them. They're umbrella terms. So lots of ship wars. There are lots of character hate. There's lots of uh, purity culture subsets out there like rad feminism, radical feminism, and things in general. This is just a brief overview. So the last thing I wanted to touch on was justification of shipping. Antis will go onto people's blogs and demand an answer about why these people are shipping what they ship or have a certain kink. And a lot of times I've noticed people like crumble to these antis. They tell them why. 
And sometimes it's like trauma to cope. It's, it's coping as a shipping thing. Shipping is a way to cope. And that's fine. You can ship, like I said, for any reasons that you want to ship. But don't tell aunties your justification. Because it supports the anti-agenda. It tells them it's only okay to ship if you have a traumatic reason that you're shipping this. I was, you know, as an example, like, I had, was raped, so I like to read Rape Vic for control. I'm not saying I personally was raped. I'm saying as a shipping justification. But you shouldn't feel the need to tell aunties this. It's none of their business. And it gives them the power to go on and keep bullying. You're basically saying, you're right. Okay, I do need a justification. You don't. You can ship for whatever purpose you want to ship. And you certainly don't have to uh, tell people about your past traumatic things that have happened to you. You don't have to tell people why you're shipping something. If you want to talk to your followers about why you're shipping something, that's up to you. And you can certainly do so. But you shouldn't bow down to anti-commands. Don't tell aunties why you're shipping things. Don't do it. It just gives them more power in the end. And it leaves you feeling really bad because you've just told this person something that you probably don't want to share. Um, not Not to lecture, but just... You don't need to justify shipping. There doesn't need to be shipping justification. Just ship it. It's fine. It's okay. You're not gross. You're not disgusting. Just ship it. Feel free to ship it. And ship it good. (laughs) This has been a very brief overview of the topic of aunties. There will probably be another podcast episode about this topic. And I really want y'all to tell me y'all's experience, you know, the audience's experience with aunties, uh, how you've interacted with them, how they've affected you. Also, if you have any suggestions for future episodes of this podcast, I would love to hear them. If you have any suggestions for an interview for this podcast, that would also be nice to know. If you would interested, if you are interested in being a co-host for this podcast, I want to hear about that too. So where can you get in contact with me? I am on Tumblr, Twitter, Pillowfort, and Instagram under the name Silenced Fandom. So please leave me an anonymous message, slide into my DMs, just interact with me. Let me know what you thought of this episode. Let me know whatever your thoughts are. Uh, I really want this podcast to be interactive, and it can't be interactive if you don't interact with me. So thank you for your time. And thank you for listening. If you really liked it, subscribe. Of course, you can listen to me on Anchor and Anchor.fm. As more uh, places get added, I will let you know. Thanks so much and tune in for the next episode.
next week on Saturdays. <laughs>